You're listening to Frankly My Dear, the podcast. I'm Fariza. And I really just want to hear from you, women with a story to tell. No lies, no drama. Okay, maybe just a little bit. I hope you like it here. Let's get started. Hi everyone, I'm Fariza and this is Frankly My Dear, the space for the women in our communities to have honest conversations with each other. If you've been tuning into the news lately, uh, you might have heard about the situation that's unfolding in Myanmar. It's something that's been at the back of my mind because I have friends and acquaintances there. And Yangon is a city that I've been to for a couple of times uh, the last few years for work. And I personally fell in love with its places and its people, which is why what's happening in Myanmar right now, the unlawful imprisonment of Aung San Suu Kyi, President Win Min and other senior figures from the National League for Democracy or NLD is something that we need to talk about, which is why I've got Chit with me a young woman born and raised in Myanmar, uh, to help me answer some of the questions that I have about the crackdown that's happening right now. Because apart from what's reported in the news, I, I want to further understand how this has affected the everyday people in the country and how political activists are rallying together to resist this military coup. Chit, thank you for agreeing to be on this show. Firstly, I had to ask, how are you? Um, hi, I'm okay. I think as okay as we can all be um, living under military dictatorship. So, but I'm doing okay. But mentally, things have been very intense, uh, especially last night. But um, physically, we're all okay, I think. So far, no violence. So we're, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I know that you told me that the internet connection might be a bit laggy on your side. So we'll try and continue this as, as much as we can. Um, and, and don't worry about, you know, it being cut off or anything. Um, we'll, we'll try and do whatever we can. Uh, before, you, before we start, could you introduce yourself uh, to the listeners and provide some context as to why we're having this conversation today, today uh, starting with, you know, what do you do for a living, how old you are and where you live? Um. My name is Chin Hei. I'm um, 28. Going to be 29. I work. I work in the media industry. I work as a content writer, a content strategist for a marketing agency, and I also do part time as an editor for InFlight magazine here in Myanmar. I also freelance as content writer for a lot of commercial projects and stuff like that. But I've also been writing about Myanmar on uh, some of the blog, and I've been contributing as much as I can to shed light on how things have been going since. Uh, February first, um, I met uh, I met you through work that we have done over the over the past few years. So, yeah. I don't know if you realized, but I think I met you a couple of days before Valentine's Day two years ago. So it's almost like our second anniversary. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was last year, I think, right? Last no, ago. last 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 year. Yeah, yeah, I think it's two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It feels mm-hmm. very short. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, were you were you born in Yangon and you worked in Yangon as well? Yeah, I was born here. I was born in Yangon. My mom, my mom is Kachem. My dad is Burmese, so I'm half. I'm not really pure Burmese. So, um, I come from a very uh, different background than most people, most Burmese family, I think, because my parents are very open-minded. Um, and I, I grew up with 
uh, a lot of freedom for my family. They allow me to uh, speak for my mind, choose what I want to do in my life. They allow me to um, do whatever I, I think that I should do, not what they want me to do. So for me, even though I, I grew up under military dictatorship, uh, for when I, I, I was born in 1992, so it was right after the uh, 88 revolution, all the students protest back then. So basically I was, I, I was sorry, uh, I grew up under military dictatorship. Half of my life, I was living under the military dictatorship, but in my home, I never felt that I was controlled because my parents allowed me to speak my mind a lot. That's why I chose journalism and media as my study in my undergraduate degree as well, because I want to use my voice as much as I can to, to speak to the public, uh, to share news about what's going on, uh, to help the community as much as I can, because I believe that that's all we have. Like our voice is what we have to tell the world like what's happening, whether it's in your community or whether in your society, it's whether on a bigger scale as well. Um, yeah, but I was born and raised here, I study here. I, I studied in Thailand for four years for my undergraduate, but I came back here because I, for me, everything I do, I want to do for my, fam, uh, for my family and also for my country. So I came back here to work here as well. Yeah. So I've been back three, four years now, yeah. I'm curious to hear more about your childhood. Um, you mentioned that you were, you grew up in a military dictatorship. It's something that I cannot imagine for myself. How was that like, and is it any different from what you see unfolding right now? Um, to be honest, I can't, I can't exactly remember how, how controlled the situation was. But the other day I was talking to my mom and my mom, my mom was telling me that we don't really have a lot of control like over our, our day -day. back then. Day to day, yeah, we cannot talk about the military. We cannot say anything bad, bad about them or they will come and snatch us in the middle of the night. But I've, I have seen, when I was young, I've seen um, if one of the family member, let's say they have a very bad um, relationship with the military and, or they do something against the military, they will come take, the, take him and also the entire family. Oh my gosh. That's how, and they would like remove any traces of your family too sometimes if they want to kill you, you know. That's like the most extreme version of it. But we we have had those, but maybe because I was so young back then, it didn't really touch um, me as much as it is touching me right now. But I lived in the Second Revolution. It was when the monks were protesting uh, against the military, uh, the monks were in a protest and then the military cracked down. And I, I, remember, I remember the day that I hear a gun, a uh, consistent gunshot uh, near my neighborhood. Uh, I, uh, my parents told me that the, the, the police and the military, they were raiding a monastery and they were shooting the monks. Oh my God. Today, we're doing the peaceful protest with a lot of young people are out on the street, a lot of every age from very, very young to very old, every generation is all on the street as much as they can. We're doing peaceful protests right now, but every day we wake up worrying that they, there will be violence, mm. not from our side, from their side, mm. or from the prisoner that they have released. Okay, like um, I'm, I think I'm going way too in, in detail without giving the context. So I, um, yeah, I can just go back from the day one, yeah. 
let's talk about day one. Um, uh, what happened in February one? Okay. I woke up at 5.45, I think, on that day from a phone call from my friend. He was calling me from a group call, group, group call on Messenger. But I didn't pick up because I was like, it's too early, you know. There's nothing that, that what, like, it's too early for this, you know. So I didn't pick up, but I, I went to the toilet. I, I have a bad feeling like, wait, but there has to be something for him to be calling me at this time because he didn't call me that, like, that often. So I checked in the group and he said that the military is, the military has um, take over control. And I started messaging everyone as much as I can on Messenger. And just 20 minutes later, my internet got shut down. My phone line got cut. And for, for a few moments, I was so confused. I was so, because I was still in my bed. I don't know whether I should get up and do something. I, I don't know who to contact with. I couldn't call anybody. I couldn't access anything. My, I, I woke my mom up. I told my mom, mom, like the military, like they have done it again. Mm. And she's like, oh no, stop it. And I said, the internet is gone. Do you still have access? And she's like, she was using a different telecom, um, MPT. I was using the, the private company one. So the MPT is, uh, they, it used to be the government, but now they have a JV with private companies. So I think they were the last one to got cut their connectivity off. So my, my mom still have connectivity. So she called her sisters and they were, they were all panicking because everything was shutting down. So I decided to turn on the TV for them. We, all the channels are cut too. All the oh. private channels, the, all the TV channels are all shut down too. How long Only did that last? The military one, uh, it lasted till 11 a.m. Okay. At 8 a.m. there is a news from the military channel and they announced that, okay, to control the country and to be a peaceful country, we are taking control of the country temporarily for a year to investigate the election fraud. And also they have detained the president and et cetera to, to make sure that there are no violence and to restore peace and um, peace into the country. That was what they announced at 8 a.m. And I got, I went out because I couldn't contact anybody. And only when I was outside and at my friend, we got the internet back again. And by that time, everybody was panicking and everybody was confused. Uh, people were not outside yet. So the first few days, we were just taking it day by day to see what would happen, to see what would be the, uh, what would be the news from the military side, what would, what, what would, the people would do so for the first week it was kind of peaceful in a way mm -hmm. it was just like normal day that our connection internet connection were very slow or that uh, we couldn't contact most of the people um what was being reported in the news during this first week that everything was neutral uh, or you know were, were there already uh, on alternative news media um just reports of injustice a lot of media were reporting about the injustice of the military, of course, like a lot of the private uh, media. Every media was reporting on it, but the government, state-owned government media was, they're just saying that, oh, like, we're doing this because this is to investigate the election fraud, and there's a lot of in, uh, in discrepancy with the result. 
of the election. Mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah. So want to investigate, and they think that this is this is the right way to do, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's what the newspaper, the print media, from the military side was uh, reporting every single day. Right, but but as far as as we know that these um these claims of fraud have been unsubstantiated. Like there's zero evidence of election fraud. Majority of the people, I'll be completely honest here. I did not even vote for NLD because. Parties, I did not vote for the majority. All of the smaller parties, especially minorities, to get to get seat in the parliament. So for me, I supported all the minorities' party. So, but majority of the people voted for NLD. It's 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 a landslide win, you know. Yeah. There is no there is no doubt about it. Even I don't support NLD. I can still agree with the majority of people that they are the majority winner mm-hmm. of this election. So I don't think there is any fraud, even if when this was happening, were you more angry or scared or worried? What were the sentiments like on the ground? I think a lot of people were in despair. We were feeling more hopeless for my generation. We are the millennia. We live, we grew up in military dictatorship, so we're more hopeless. Like, oh, this is happening again. Mm. For the Gen Z, grew up under completely free society. When they were growing up, we have quasi-civilian government. Even though they're not democ- fully democratic gov- uh, process, uh, how to say, land- landscape yet, they were still under a lot of freedoms. We had free internet access. We have freedom of speech. We can we can write about anything on the Facebook. We can uh, voice our expression. We can voice anything that we want. They grew up in that, um, how to say, environment. So for them, they were angry, I think. For for millennia, I think we were more like hopeless. We were angry, but we were all like, oh no, like what is happening again? Mm-hmm. Like again is the thing, like the keyword for us. Like, oh shit, it's happening again. Sorry, yeah. am I allowed No, to you stop? can, yeah. Everyone everyone asked that you are allowed to. <laughs> um let's talk about the <laughs> protests that have grown these last two weeks. We started by seeing people, uh, at least from what I saw, people banging pots and pans at their balconies uh, as a sign of protest at first. I read that traditionally the banging of pots and pans is to scare away bad luck. Is that true? Uh, it's basically when we hit pots and pans, it's to drive the evil spirit away. We do it as a ritual. So we started doing this, I think, the, the, the second day that the coup, uh, the coup happened, mm. and it's been going for now. Like today's day fourteen, so uh, it's been the whole two weeks, four weeks. But the protest we started last Saturday on the sixth, okay. because that is the day that they cut off the internet for twenty four hours. They announced to the telecom operator, operators that okay, we're cutting off internet for twenty, no more than twenty four hours. For Saturday and Sunday, they will only they will only um, turn on the internet. Yeah, on the Sunday night, so seven night midnight. Uh, so our all of our internet connection cut off at six morning around eleven a.m. Why was that happening? Was it because like protests were growing? There was a chatter about something happening I over think, the weekend. Yeah, that's what we were speculating to. We think that because that's the day that that's the first weekend after the coup so i think a lot of people are free and people will be start going out on the streets so i think they they are worried of 
that. So if they shut the internet down so that there won't be any more reports about the site of the protest to the international community. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. So for 24 hours, we didn't have any internet. There were a lot of fake news. There were a lot of rumors that day. Uh, there were a lot of rumors coming into our SMS from everyone that we don't even know. Sometimes it's a random number and they would just say, uh, the, one of the worst rumors that day was on Saturday evening was that the military has released Dong uh, Sensei and our president Wu and it was a very big rumor. It went around through our SMS, and then people started celebrating, going out on the street, believing the news. But it turned out to be fake. What were you doing over the weekend then, with no internet? I actually last week I had a leadership training, so I was at my friend's house since Thursday. So when that happened, I was with my friends. And to be honest, it helped in a way that I was around other people um, because we could, our other people my age, so that we could process this whole thing together. We were trying to calm ourselves. We were very confused. A lot of us were very confused. When you ask what was our feeling, I think a lot of us are still feeling confused. Mm. I don't think we even reached the stage of anger or sad or anything we're just very confused right now we don't know what we should be feeling first we don't understand why this is happening we don't understand um has life stopped um are people still going to work every day for some companies yes for me all of my projects were suspended since the first day of the crew oh, wow. so the past two weeks yeah i've been just home or out on the street or trying to help the protest and also trying to help other people online by writing, contributing as much as I can. Um, yeah. How are these protests organized? Facebook. I think majority of the people here use Facebook in Messenger, so a lot of protests are um, organized online. So right now, what I notice is that uh, if one person is say like, okay, tomorrow we need to wear this color, that color, we need to hold a the same sign, we need to be united, we need to be bright and bold. So that message will be shared throughout our network. Even the original poster is like, you don't need to give credit to me, just share as much as you can so that it spread as, as far, as much as it, it, it can get. Mm. Uh, one of the things that we're doing right now is civil disobedience movement. Mm. We're trying to stop the system by stopping the mechanism of it. To stop the military, we can't just we can't just focus on peaceful protests. For us, peaceful protests, you get exposure, right? You get exposure from the international community. But for the military to actually go down, we need to attack their mechanism, mechanism or the system. So we are pleading with the civil servant, we're pleading with the private, private sector to stop going to work, for the banks to stop functioning for a while so that, so that they don't have any administration to lead, basically. Oh. So that's the main thing that we are pushing right now. We're hoping that this civil disobedience movement will work too. Because if this doesn't work, all of the young people out on the street protesting, there's no, there's no win to it. You mm. know? Um, over the last two weeks, what were some of the restrictions imposed by the military government? Um, curfew and stuff. On Monday, last, this Monday, last Monday on... Eight, they, uh, they impose a martial law. Martial law is if you are out uh, during the curfew time from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m., they can shoot on site. Shoot to kill? Or? Yeah. 
makes me feel mashallah. We call it mashallah, so it's kind of like shoot. They can, they can detain you, they can shoot you on the side if you are doing very extreme things, of course. But the curfew, the, the curfew is from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. and you cannot go out from that time. And if you go out, they will shoot. And also you cannot gather more than five people. That is during daytime too. But people are not respecting that. We go out, we go out more. People are going out more, coming out with stronger messages, uh, but smaller groups. Mm. Like on those, I don't, I don't remember the exact date, but one of the day, uh, there were a lot of violence in Nibido, the capital city. And we lost one of our young protesters, a mm. uh, female young protester. She was just 19, 20, and she was shot in the head. And another one also got shot in the chest, I think, opening chest. And those were the only two violent, two uh, casualties from this protest so far. But after that day, people come out in smaller groups and start congregating in a very, uh, in a one place to protest against the, the military, no, I mean the police. So a lot of young people later on, this whole week, a lot of young people going out on the street in the small groups in different places. And every time they sense that a stranger has come into their group, they disperse and they would move on to another places. So that's the tactic that uh, the professor are using right now. Is it true that uh, people's houses are being ransacked and, you know, activists are getting thrown into jail in the middle of the night without trial? Yes. The past few days, there's a lot of forced arrests during nighttime after 8 p.m. Uh, a lot of young, a lot of houses are uh, break into by the police to come and detain one of the whoever that they want to come and detain. So, for example, one of the one of the crazy incident was the other night. Um, a young fortune teller was taken from his house because he was predicting something very um, Bad. true. Yeah, he was kind of doing a ritual to to harm the military i guess okay he like a curse a, yeah okay yeah a curse sorry i did, i forgot the word yeah a curse and after he was he posted that photo the next day after 8 p.m the police but they are not in police clothes they are in like normal clothes and they come without a warrant that they need to take this man to the police station for questioning. And in that, at that same time, another incident was happening in, the, uh, um, in Mandalay, another city, where the, the head of the hospital, head of the hospital, the police jumped over the fence of their house and they said they need to take him for questioning. And the only good thing Compare when you compare the two incidents. One incident, um, the house was very the fortune teller family was very scared of the police breaking their door, mm. so they opened the door and they let they let the police take the fortune teller away. But the Mandalay's one, uh, the daughter of the the hospital head, she was like, no. She started uh, asking help from her neighbor. She started screaming to her neighbors like, please help, like, you know, she, yeah. And they started hitting pots and pans to alert the neighbors like, they are, like, the police are here, you know, they are coming to arrest without a warrant and without no reason. 
and then she did so because of that the police went back home oh so that yeah so that was the two key thing and from that in this incident we learned that okay we need to hit the pots and pan when the police are here Mm, scared them yeah but isn't it so crazy like we should be scaring the thieves and all the evil people or the robbers that are gonna be robbing us but but now we're trying to alert our neighbors from the police like it's it's a very weird time you know last night too uh, my neighborhood the entire neighborhood was erupting in pots and pans after the 8 p.m the ritual mm. it was around 9 30 remember because we saw a car or an ambulance dropping strange people into our street to dropping people to yeah, so, okay, on 12th, it's a new union day here. So on that day, the military released over 20, 23,000 prisoners they released as a state pardon. What were they convicted of before? Most of, uh, most of them are murderers. Oh, my God. They are on life, they are on death sentence, and etc. All of those people, are redu- they, re- they reduce the sentences for some of them, and some of them are just released. So there were 23,000 prisoners being released on the 12th. And on 13th, they started dropping some of those ex-convicts into every residential area last night. And they were, there, were, there were reports of ex-convicts trying to poison the drinking water. There were reports of ex-convicts throwing fire rings to start fire in the neighborhood. Mm. Some of them are carrying weapons like knives to break into houses, etc. There were a lot of reports of them and some of the neighborhood, they are very united. So sometimes if there are five people, they will caught two people and most of them turn out to be drugs. Most of the convicts are drugs too. Mm. So crazy. The entire city was, every neighborhood was erupting with pots and pans sound the entire night because every time they see a strange man running in the street, I mean, obviously it's after curfew time, nobody's out, you know, yeah. nobody's outside. And so when we see strange people, we start hitting, like, we don't know who that is. So sometimes all, everybody go down on the street to chase that person. And there were also videos, I don't know if you have seen it, I can send it to you later on. There were videos of people jumping over the fence into an apartment con- condominium compound. Mm. Just over the fence. And we couldn't stop them too because they got dropped off by all the ambulance and police cars and random cars. And you can't even call the police for help because they are the ones who are dropping off. Exactly. These and these were 23,000 ex-convicts released. It's not just in Yangon right now. It's happening every in every other cities as well. Every town, every other city. As well. They're trying to start riots. They want all the riots and violence to happen so that they can use it as an excuse. Like, you know what? This is need us. Yeah, because of this, the military has to take control to restore peace. You know, so that's what they're doing. And last night, they also suspend privacy and security law for the citizen, mm. for the civilian. So basically they're revoking all of our 
basic human rights and protection. So what this means is they can come and arrest anyone without a warrant anytime, any places. They can come in and search any of our houses without the presence of the, the war administrative office. And they can come take our stuff away from a house too. They can seize any asset. And they can track anyone they want. They can tap into any of our communication channels and they can acquire any information that they want from the telecom operator. Let's say they want to track me and they don't, they, they only know my IP address, but they don't know my address. They don't know my phone number. They don't know my uh, ID. Uh, then they will just contact the phone that I'm using and they will ask for the information that the telecom operator has to give them. And also the last thing is if they detain anybody, they can detain for anyone for more than 24 hours. So they revoke all of these, they suspend all of these privacy and security law last night too. They announced that last night. Last night, we all experienced all these ex-convicts running around in our neighborhood. And the military is also revoking our human, basic human rights, you know. It's basically, for, like most of my friends that we're joking that we're living in a Purge movie. I don't know if you have seen I it. I saw that tweet. The Purge? Yeah. The Purge? Yeah, so... Yeah, it's like a purge movie last night, you know. Everyone, like, it's, it's, it's a very scary time. We're so scared that the electricity will be cut off. We're so scared that the internet connection will be cut off because if any of those happen and all of these chaos is happening, we don't know where, who to call, what to do, you know. We can't call to anybody too. Yeah. Chit, I, I have to ask, um, as someone who is very active and you're very vocal on social media you're categorically you know denouncing uh, the military government are you fearful for your safety and what are you doing to keep you and your family and your friends safe if all of this is happening in a matter of days i have this question but everybody asked me this question the past few days whether i am scared of my safety i am not scared of my life for my life i'm I'm worried for my mom because my mom is living with me. So I'm very worried for her safety and for her, for her, I'm worried for her protection. But for me, I'm at the stage in my life. I am, I, I don't think I'm scared to be arrested. If, I, if I'm doing something to voice out my opinion and my view, and if they want to come and take me away, me away, then I will, I will, I will risk my life for this. But I don't want them to, touching my family or my mom. That's, I, I'm not going out on the street every day because I don't have the luxury of going out every day to protest and be on the street. So I try to uh, contribute as much as I can online or by supporting the protester, etc. But if, if because of something I post online and they want to take me away for it, mm. I'm not scared of it. I don't think I'm scared of it. I don't think most of my friends who are voicing out their, their opinions and view and denouncing the military are scared of it too, I think. Mm -hmm. Because I'd rather voice out now than continue living in a society where we're being controlled by military government. They can kill all of us, you know. If they want to kill all of us, kill all of us because then they will have to kill the entire country. You know, everybody's against them. There's only a small group of people who are still supporting the military. And even then, those people, they don't even know they're, why they are supporting. I'm probably sure of it because they just, they're getting money from the military or they're getting support from the military. So they 
are just supporting the military because they are, you know, it's for their livelihood. But right now, I don't think it's, it, we have to think about our safety. We have to think about ourselves. We have to be selfish about in, in that way. But everybody is going through the same thing. You know? I don't think there is any room for us to be only thinking about ourselves and our family right now because the entire country is going through the same thing. Our businesses are suspended. Our livelihoods are affected by all of this. You know, nobody is living a normal life right now. Mm. So for me, I'm, I'm not I would say I'm not scared, but I'm, I try not to do very extreme things so that it doesn't touch my family, of course. Do you know of anyone who was detained and what the police or the military has done to them when uh, under detainment? Um, I don't know whether I'm allowed to talk about this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. <laughs> one of my, let's say auntie, she's not blood related, but she's one of my aunties. She was detained a few nights ago. Uh, because she was a member of the Union Election com- com- Commission, the UEC, we call it UEC. So she was taken from her house at night, and they asked, um, they said that it's just, a, they're just going to detain her. They're not going to do anything to her, but please leave your home. We're just going to take you. So they take her away. So they think she's been detained. Uh, she doesn't have any contact with anybody. If we want to go send stuff to her, uh, we just have to give it to the police. Is she out? She's not. She's. They say they call it quarantine. Like, oh, like they're just just detaining her because they wanna because the you know there's an order from the up that we have to take all the UEC members. So or yeah, a member of the UEC. So so I think she's. Still entertain. She's still detained. Yeah. Tell me about this this union. Uh, U UEC UNC. Uh, UEC UEC. Tell me more about UEC. UEC. It's the Union Election Commission. Mm-hmm. So they are responsible. They're the electoral electoral commission. So they are responsible for organizing and overseeing election in. Uh, the, the, the past election, of course. So they assign the lawmaker or like the previous judges and lawyers or other influential people uh, to oversee the election, the, the, the November election. So the new, the, the problem is that after the election, um, the USDP party, which is the military, prox- it's a proxy party of the military, they won very few seats. Hmm. They said that they don't accept the, they don't accept this outcome because in some of the area that they believe that they will win, they did not win. So they asked the UEC to, okay, please release the document so that we want to recheck the result. And I think the government they couldn't make a deal with the government. And um, the government, uh, NLD government also said that okay, they're not they're not interfering with the process of the UEC because it's supposed to work as a separate entity, you know? So if you want to deal with it, deal with a UEC member, deal with a UEC, you know, to check and balance the result. And I think they did not have a peaceful deal or peaceful conversation about it. And then the military is like, okay, if you're not releasing all these documents, then we're gonna, you know, we have the weapons, you know, we're gonna take 
we're gonna take control of the country. And then by then we will, you will have to release the document by whether you like it or not. So that's what they do. Yeah. So because when they took, when they take over the countries, when the coup happened, one of the reason was that okay we have to do this because um, the result there were there was they believe that there there is a fraud. That's why they will host the general election again during this one year that they are in control. So that was the reason. That was the reason that they are doing this. That's how they justify their actions. And even if they lose, they would they would claim that they won, right? Yeah, it's a very confusing time. You know, we don't we don't see the end of it. You in the beginning, you asked me like, okay, what I hope for the future, right? Like, what I hope for the future, what I for me right now, I don't see the end of this right now. Mm. Even as we're doing all of these protests and the international, like for example, U.S. They are, they are imposing sanction against the military families, the military military leaders, and etc. But I don't I don't know what's gonna happen next. Yeah, I don't know what we have never seen people won. You know, for me, I have never seen it. People winning against these military people, people with weapons. You know, I've never seen people win against these people. So I don't see the end of it right now. Mm. But I'm trying to be hopeful every day. Um, even when I wake up and I don't want to see any news, I still force myself to get up and like do something so that I can contribute as much as I can to what's happening and write about it, tweet about it, post about it on stories and everywhere. I try to reach every people, every platform so that even anybody, so that anybody outside of this country can read it and know that this is, this is the situation here. Mm. Let's talk about um, fake news a little because from what I know, Facebook is widely popular in Myanmar. Uh, if I can say Facebook is the Google of Myanmar because uh, Myanmar people use Facebook to share info, to message each other uh, and you know, Facebook penetration is extremely high in the country. But that's also led to an increase in fake news, right? Even Facebook has blocked military run pages and profiles as a result of that. What are some of the news that you've heard so far? Uh, that have been outright fake that you've heard about? Uh, it's a lot of fake news. Most of the medias are not uh, posting any of the fake news. Uh, only Nyawadi and MRTV, which is the state-owned state-owned channels and media, they are posting fake news. Like, okay, for example, one of the things that I saw the other day was like, uh, something that a journalist, a freelance journalist posts on his Facebook about um, about the coup. And then they would post it on their Facebook with a cross sign like, this is fake news. So they're claiming that the real news is fake news. The military, military run channels, MRTV and MWD, yeah? Yeah, MR, yeah, MWD, yeah. So the joke is that every time they say this is fake news, Everyone comment under the post like, okay, thank you for confirming that this is the real news. <laughs> so that's a joke among the four right now. But there's a lot of fake news spreading among the people too. Um, a lot of people are panicking. So sometimes if they hear from somebody, uh, a lot of unverified sources, I guess. So if they hear something like, oh, like I saw military uh, cars going into the city and one person would spread it and it would just spread like a wildfire mm -hmm. and we don't know who to verify the source. And sometimes those news are being released from the military side too, 
to you know psych people up. So we call it psych war. There's a lot of psych war going on Facebook right now. So I think it's worse than fake news, right? I don't think we can call this fake news because it's more like rumors going around. And it's from both sides too. Sometimes we want to sack the military side, so we would post a lot of like things like, okay, like there's this technology that Gen Z have come up with and they cannot trace any of us. If you want to know more about it, message us. Amen. Message me directly into the messenger. And we, like for me, like some of us know that it's, it's a site war. But some people don't know that it's a site war and they believe it. So that's what both sides are doing right now. That's what I see on Facebook right now. And there's a lot of it. And everybody is posting and sharing things without verifying the sources, without fact-checking. And that's one thing that we have to be very scared right now because we, there is no fact-checking process anymore for us. I've got one last question for you. Um, with all of these protests, what is it that Myanmar people are demanding? What do you want? I think all of the pro peaceful protests that people are doing is to tell the world, to tell the international community that people want democracy. We want freedom. We want our basic rights. We want to be like any other global citizen, any other countries in the world, which is in a democratic um, situation. How is it to live in a free society? And that's what we want. That's what people want. That's what all the young people want. We don't want to grow. We don't, we don't want the young people to grow up with propaganda messages from the military, you know. In the, in the textbooks that people, they, in the textbook that they teach in state school, we don't want things to be one-sided for history. We want different view of the history, you know. We don't want just, oh, like, we're the only good one. We're the only good one. Military is a good one. We don't want that. We want all of the young people to have critical thinking, you know. We want, we want future, good future for our, for our children, you know. That's all we want. One thing that we say today is that we want to be the last generation that will have to deal with us. Mm. Everybody's out on the street with a fire inside them. Because they are not doing, we're not doing this for ourselves right now. We're doing this for the future, like the future generation. We want them to live in a free society where they can voice out. And that's all we want. Chit, thank you for your time uh, to share with us. Thank you. What's happening in Myanmar being, you know, the yeah. primary source uh, of, of news for me. I have been following your social media pages. Um, I've been getting updates on what's happening from you. And mm -hmm. I am in awe of your power, your strength, your energy, the fire, like you said, in your belly to protest um, and to really stand up for what you believe in. I hope you stay safe. I'm going to keep in touch with you. Um, and I wish you all the best. This is Fariza. Uh, this is Frankly My Dear. And Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Chip. Take care.